thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We are concluding our series that's been called Jesus is Awesome. Pastor Tim helped us and kicked us off, got got some things started here. But we've been looking at the book of Colossians, and the hope was, as we look at the book of Colossians, that we would see Jesus as supreme as number one. Everybody say supreme. And so the reality is we wanted, as we look at the book of Colossians, for us to catch the spirit of this book and recognize that Jesus is awesome. He is awesome. And so we want, we want to understand that, that, that we can know that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is better than anything you could ever imagine, that Jesus is the awesome Son of God. And we realize this, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It equals everything. And if you have Jesus, you have everything in your life to, to prosper and to grow and to be and to experience God's purpose for your life. And so as we looked at the book of Colossians, I just want to recap Colossians 1.15 as we talk about Jesus. Why talk about Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme, say supreme again, over all creation. In other words, he's the man. He rules and he reigns. And there is nothing that's higher than him. There's nothing that's greater than him. It is Jesus who is supreme. And the whole purpose that Jesus came to this earth as we're celebrating this Christmas season was for one reason alone. It was to destroy the works of the devil and to bring humanity into God's family. That's why he came to this earth. And once we are in God's family, as many of us are this morning, we become a part of the mission of God, which is to bring others, humanity, other people into the family. And so let's begin this last message out of Colossians chapter 4, and then we'll get into this after we read the passage. Um, Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6, Paul writes to the church, he says, "Is devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsider, meaning those who are not a part of God's family. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. According to the scriptures, there are two types of people in the world. There are those who are a part of God's family, and there are those who are not a part of God's family. There is no third way or fourth way. There's, there's, there's nothing that, that, that would somehow, well, but if we do this and spin this and jump back to that. No, no, there are two groups of people on the earth. Those are apart and in God's family and those who are not a part of God's family. And so after Jesus rose from the dead, he became the door into God's family. And everyone, say everyone, 
has to pass through the door, which is Jesus Christ. And so if you do not pass through the door you of Jesus, you are not in the family of God. And so God wants everyone that is not in his family to be in his family. I hope you know that today. That God wants everyone who is not a part of his family to be in his family. He wants every lost child to come into his family. He wants every lost lamb, as Jesus being the great shepherd, to come into his flock. That's why the Bible says, and Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting Anyone, say anyone, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, say everyone, to come to repentance. In other words, to come and be a part of his family. So I want to talk to us today about bringing others into God's family. And before I get into these points, I just, I just want to take a moment. And even, even today, I want you to know Every time I stand up here and I share and I get to preach to you, I see your faces. I, have, I am overwhelmed and honored to be a part of this, of this family that God has brought us to be a part of. I want you guys to know I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what God is doing through you. I'm so proud of what I see God doing in us as a family and how he's adding to our number. And, he's, and some of you are stepping up and leading small groups and you're joining small groups. And I just want to say thank you. But I am so grateful to be a part of this family of God called Faith Bible Chapel. And I just, I just want to take a moment and say thank you for that. But, but as, as we get into this... I want you to know this, and the reason why I was thinking about that this morning, being part of you and you being a part of me, is that God never intended his purposes in our lives to be carried out through our life alone. He never did. And we all have this passion to be a part of something that's greater than us. We want to be a part of something that's bigger than us. We all want to be a part of something that wakes us up in the morning, that fuels our hearts, that, that knows that where I am weak, then someone else must be stronger. And that purpose is not for you to be alone and do God's work because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. That's why, though, God established the church. And there are some people who think, I don't need the church. I, I, don't need a, I don't need pastors in my life. It's just me, Jesus, and my Bible. And I'll just go and do whatever I want. And most of the time, those who are that way have been hurt by the church. They will leave the church. And then they will, they will usually try to make their narrative justify why they left the church. And so they will spend the rest of their life trying to spin the story that it was okay for them to not like the church and to criticize the church. But I, I, you got to be very, very careful when you start criticizing something Jesus gave his blood for. And my encouragement to all of us today is to recognize that, that God has called us to be a part of a family. And with a show of hands, how many here that you can raise your hand confident and say, my family is perfect? Go ahead and raise your hand. <laughs> and because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, guess what it means? The church is not what? Perfect. And so we have to work together as a family. But we are called to be part of something, bringing others into God's family. And, yes, you do that individually. But if you lead somebody to Christ out on the street, what do you do then? What family do they become a part of? 
And that's why I, I've always said the gospel is the net that we, that we throw into the waters and, and we catch the fish. We catch people's lives. But then what? Because if you just catch them and they say, I got them. They're in the net. They're in the net. Unless you pull them into the boat, you're never going to get them. And they end up dying. And the boat is the church. And God established the church to be the boat to pull the lost people into and begin to disciple them and lead them. And then give them their own boat and send them out. That's why the church exists. And that's what you and I are a part of today. This is the beauty of the church of Jesus Christ. And that's why, again, I'm so proud of us that we reach the lost as a church. That we are making disciples. That, that you are opening your homes to, to have people come in. And you're, you're, you're risking what it, what it takes to lead a small group. And you're risking what it feels like to join a new small group. And maybe it feels awkward at times. But you are not called to walk this journey alone. And so God is wanting to establish family here at Faith Bible Chapel, fresh and new. And so we're on this amazing journey together, but God never does anything alone. Even in the creation, in the beginning, it was Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They created. He never does anything alone. That's why we need church. That's why we need each other. I believe in the local church. I believe in the, in the biblical structure and leadership of the local church. And I believe in you. And I believe that God's hand is on your life, that you can be a part. You can fulfill your purpose and your mission as a part of this family called Faith Bible Chapel. That's what our desire is as leadership here. And I believe that God wants to do something fresh and new. And if you want to know more about who we are as a church, you can, you can go through what we call our growth track where you get to know about who we are, our structure what we believe, and then where you can plug in and make a difference with your life. But anyway, I love you guys. Thank you for being part of Faith Bible Chapel. Can we give God a hand for uniting us together? Amen. But here's the reality. We are a part of something that's so much bigger than us. So much bigger than us. And what we forget about, because we live in a, in a, in a world that we can see and touch and feel and, and everything is, we have a limited view of life, is this. One day, my friends, Microsoft won't exist anymore. Believe it or not, one day Starbucks won't exist. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not. So drink it up, baby. You better enjoy it now. One day Apple won't exist. One day you, the United States of America will not exist on this earth. The only thing that will exist on this earth is what the Bible calls the family of God. And we will rule and reign together. Do you know that? That's why it's important for us to understand where we invest our resources, where we invest our time, where we give of our hearts and our passions, that I want to be a part of something that's going to last forever. And that's what we're going to live in and experience together. But we must remember that so we don't get distracted when, or bent out of shape or lose our focus when things don't turn out the way that we think they should. When America doesn't go down the pathway, we think it should. Because I'm telling you, America won't be around one day. And so the question is, where did you invest your time? Where did you invest your efforts? Where did you link arms with people to accomplish something? Did you do it for something that's going to outlive you and something that we're going to continue to live with in eternity? Or did you do it with something that's just going to fade away when the Lord returns anyway? Because the earth will pass away and all that will remain will be the kingdom of God and God's family within that kingdom. So 
We, how can we be a part of bringing others into that family? The whole purpose of why Jesus came was to bring others into that family. And so I want to look at these points today that my desire for you is, is they would just be practical steps on how you can be a part of bringing others into the family of God. And it starts with number one, which is a, a key number one in our lives. And when it comes to bringing people into the family of God is we need to pray for them. But wait a minute, I thought we had to do campaigns. Actually, first, we need to pray for them. That's why we start every year here at the church. We do 21 days of prayer. We begin to pray for the hurting, for the lost, for the broken in our community, in our neighborhood, for those who don't know Jesus. We begin to pray for them. Colossians 4, 2, and 3 says this in the New Living Translation. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysteries, mysterious plan concerning Christ. This whole idea, devote yourselves in prayer with an alert mind. In other words, we are to pray with our minds wide open. We're to pray relevant prayers about what's going on in our church, what's going on with our families. You can pray specific things, and that's what Paul is telling them to do. Prayer is a secret weapon for bringing family members and people and friends and colleagues into God's family. I want to I read you a quote by John Piper, which I, I love John Piper, and I love his, his understanding of Scripture. He's just such a significant general really in the in the kingdom of God but he said prayer is not designed as an intercom between us and God to serve the domestic comforts of the saints that's such a John Piper way of saying that it's designed as a walkie-talkie for spiritual battlefields it's the link between active soldiers and their command headquarters with its unlimited firepower and air cover and strategic wisdom, when you understand this, you can pray the locks off of people's hearts. That's pretty powerful. According to this verse that we just read, that the Lord wants us to pray strategic. He wants us to use our mind. There's nowhere in, in, in scriptures that it says that when we pray, we've got to put our, our brain on the shelf. It says we are to be alert. We are to, to know what's going on. We need to know what's going on in people's lives. And we need to be able to pray specifically against these things and pray about what the enemy is doing and pray against that. If you have someone that you're praying for to become a Christian, the question is then how do you pray for that person? Do you just ask God to save them? Yeah, you can do that. But I want us to take and look at some of these points on how are specific ways you can pray for your friends, for your relatives, for your neighbors, for your work associates that are not yet a part of God's family. Because I believe if God has put them in your life, that God's put them in your sphere of influence to begin to pray for and over. You were not set on this earth just to exist. You were put on this earth for God to use you and flow through you and in you. Amen. So number two, how do we bring people into God's family is this. We pray God removes what is hindering them from salvation. A person who has not yet believed in Jesus Christ, they are at a disadvantage. I don't know if you, you're aware of that. They're at a disadvantage. And God wants them to be saved. And God wants, has a plan and purpose for them. But there is a spiritual adversary who is resisting them, who is hindering their pathway to God. Second Corinthians says this about that. He says, Satan, who is the God of this world, 
has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. It's very important you understand that there are blinders on every person on the planet who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Every person. Say every. Every person. There are blinders on their eyes. And here's the reality. You are blind until you are not. And so we can say, well, they're blinded, they're blinded, they're blinded. Yeah, they're blinded until they are not blinded. So what do we do? That these people, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. So here's the reality. If they are blinded, we can begin to pray that God would remove the obstacles that are blinding them. And those obstacles, I don't know what they are for the individuals. Some may be pride, but they can't admit that they even need God in their life. Some will be a rebellious spirit that they made a decision, like forget you, God, I'm not going to serve you. Some will be a certain sin that's maybe gripping their heart, and we can begin to pray into that. For others, it's an intellectual pride. Or it's a bitter attitude that they've carried since they were young. Or maybe someone has been hurt in the church and, and maybe years ago. And, and, or they've been hurt by a Christian who spoke angrily to them or rebuked them without any love or kindness and did not represent Jesus to them. Or maybe there's an individual that isn't in God's family who's being influenced by the wrong crowd. Or there's an influence by, by the wrong person. You, you, don't, you don't have to know what the obstacles are in order to pray for them to be removed. But you have to realize that there are spiritual obstacles that, that can fall away when we begin to pray bold, persistent prayers by faith. And the first way you pray is just something simple as this, Lord, I'm claiming, and then you name that person. When's the last time, and this is a challenge to us, when's the last time you prayed for someone in your life that isn't saved that the Lord would begin to remove the obstacles in their lives so that they can be saved? So you'd say, Lord, I'm claiming this person. You fill in the blank. I ask you to tear down the walls that the enemy has built over them. I ask you to heal them of spiritual blindness that's affected them. And I'm asking you to open their eyes to your love and to your goodness and use me to be a part of that. That's what it's about. There are some of you, um, families that are here, you have children that aren't serving the Lord. Listen, you can begin to strategically Remove the obstacles from their lives. And I believe this, that you can begin to pray into them. Whatever it may be, begin to pray that the Lord remove it, the Lord would open their eyes, that God would soften their hearts. And because you are called to be active soldiers in the kingdom of God. You're not passive soldiers, you're active. And you can move things forward in the spirit that you never thought was actually possible. And the way that you do that is you start praying. And number three, how we can bring people into the um, God's family is number three. Pray God gives an opportunity for someone to share Christ with them. That may be you, but that someone would have an opportunity to share Christ with them. I want you to think about this letter, that, that, or this passage of Scripture we just read. Here you have Paul. He was locked in prison. He was hanging out with, with the rats and other guys that are hanging out in this damp, cold prison. And he wrote a letter to the church, and he asked the church to pray for him. But notice he didn't ask for the church to pray that the prison doors 
would be opened. He didn't ask God, get me out of this stinking place. Man, if, if it was a letter from me, I'd be like, listen, I don't know what you're doing, but get me out of here. He didn't say that. He told the church to focus their energies and their efforts to pray for this. He said, pray for us that God may open a door for our message. The message became superior to his circumstances. The message became number one to what he was going through. And here's the reality. God loves to open doors for you. He loves to open doors for, for things, for the people in your life that are lost. He loves to open doors. You may not feel like you can share your faith with someone. That's okay. What you can do, especially with family and close friends, it, it, maybe it's a little awkward, but you can begin to pray that God opens the door for, for someone else to share it with them. And sometimes th those people who are closest to us, they're the, most, they're the toughest people to lead to Christ because there's a distance. So what you can do is you can love them and then strategically begin to pray over them and for them. But you can pray that God gives, gives a great opportunity, a divine appointment for someone to interact with them. So your loved one hears and experiences the good news of Jesus Christ. And while you're praying for open doors, you can ask God to open the door of their heart as well. You know, our, our decisions are in Scripture a lot of times are called doors. You want to say you can swap decisions with hearts or decisions with, with, with doors. That's really what it is. It's, it's a door. But what's very interesting, you have in Revelations 3.20, you have Jesus. He says this, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with them and he with me. And this is Jesus saying, I stand at the door and I knock. And what this tells me, this is that one, Jesus will never force his way into someone's life. They have to open the door. He will lovingly, patiently stand at the door of a person's heart and he'll keep knocking. And every time your loved one is exposed to the gospel or exposed to the truth, maybe the door opens a little bit more. And I believe most people come to Christ from multiple experiences and multiple door knockings on their heart, that it opens a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And we pray that, that God would send someone to knock on the door of your loved one's heart. And maybe, maybe this individual, as you pray for them, that God would remove the, the, uh, the obstacles, that God would begin to soften the door of their hearts. Maybe as they drive, they'll see a billboard, or, or maybe they'll go to work, and, and they'll hear of, of maybe one of you sharing about what God's doing in your life or what God did at the church. And again, there's another knock on their door, and the door opens up a little bit more. Or, or, or maybe it's, a, it's an experience or maybe it's some kindness that someone would share to them and just say, hey, listen, God loves you and cares for you. This is, this is the reality that when you begin to pray for people, for the obstacles to be removed, for their doors to be opened of their hearts, all of a sudden God begins to strategically set things up in that individual's lives where their door opens a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And usually the circle is complete when someone they love or they care for does invite them to church, invites them to Christmas Eve service and said, listen, just come. It's going to be a great time and we can worship together. We can sing some carols together. We get to light candles and we get to hang out. We get to see if anyone's hair gets caught on fire. It's great. Every year we get to experience it. But they come and they, they hear the love of God. 
Or they come to a church service and they, they, they experience the presence of a real living God through worship. And they don't even know the words that they're singing, but all they know is something's touching them deep inside. And they don't know what it is that's drawing their heart. They don't know what's giving them the peace that they, they're longing for. And they're, they're, how do I get more of this? And then when the word is, is communicated, all of a sudden they get the opportunity to open the door of their heart. And they can step from this family. They belong to the family of darkness and can step into the family of light into God's family. This is what happens. And every time the door cracks a little more and a little more and a little more until one day they step into God's family. And scripture says that angels rejoice when one soul repents and comes into God's family. That's amazing. And I believe the best thing you can do for your loved ones who are not part of God's family is begin to pray for them. Especially around the holidays when you, you will find yourself around people, around family members that you maybe normally wouldn't hang out with. And you're hanging out with them. Little do they know, and you've been a spiritual ninja behind the scenes working in their lives. You've been praying for them. You're going to walk by them, just brush up against them, just get a little bit of the Holy Ghost off on them. Just do that with them, you know. Yet little do they know. That God has set them up to be in your family so that you will pray for them and the door of their hearts will be open. That's why God brought them in your life. I know they may be difficult to hang out with. I know they may be difficult to eat dinner with. But use that as an opportunity to begin to strategically pray that God removes the obstacles in their lives. Dr. Gordon says this out of a book called Quiet Talks on Prayer. He says the greatest thing anyone can do for God and for man is pray. It's not the only thing, but it is the chief thing. The great people of the earth are people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor yet those who can explain about prayer. I mean those people who take time to pray. This is what God can do in you and through your life. I love the story of George Mueller. He lived in Bristol. And there was a man in his life that, that he loved dearly who was, who was lost. And he prayed for this man for 40 years. He prayed for him. It's logged in his, in his diary, in his journals. He prayed for this individual for 40 years. And at George Mueller's funeral, that man gave his life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because George Mueller prayed for him. And God used George Mueller to bring that man into the family of God. Do not ever stop praying for your loved ones. Don't think they're a lost cause. Don't think they're too far. Don't think that they've, 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 they've just gone, oh, but, but Jason, but I, I, can't, I don't know. They're, they're, they're in, the, in, in this lifestyle over here. And they're, they're in this, they run with this group of people. And, and they're all, listen, do not stop praying for your loved ones. They are not a lost cause, and Jesus is waiting for you to do something with him to reach them. Call their names before the Lord. Call their names before God. Another way that we can bring people into God's family is number four. We can, one, it's important that we use wisdom when engaging those who don't know Jesus. We use wisdom. I'd say this is probably one of the things the church struggles with the most, is this idea of wisdom when engaging those who don't know Jesus. 
Colossians 4 says this in the message. Use your heads <laughs> as you live and work among outsiders, those who are not a part of God's family. In other words, use wisdom. Use wisdom. Use your heads. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. And the goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation. Not put them down or cut them out. And I, I, I love how, how, how he writes this. It's, it's a, basically it's a commentary of Scripture. And I love how he writes this commentary of what that Scripture means. And that's what it means. We must be very careful how we come across to people who do not know Jesus Christ. This really matters. Church, please hear me. This really matters. How you come across to people. It's important in my life to never misrepresent Jesus to others by me having an offended heart or offended spirit. And many times, I don't know why this is, but so many times we think that us having the right thing to say somehow is greater than us having the right attitude. I don't know where that came into play, but it's plagued the church for many, many years. You have people who, who say there are people of the Spirit, but when you looked at, look at the acts of the flesh, they are angry, they are bitter. They have fits of rage. They are, there's just, they're nasty. And they're, you know, I can't believe, and they're, 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 listen, you know, you get mad, someone pulls out in front of you, your attitude, you flail your hands, you got the little Jesus sticker on the back, and, and you pull up, and you just dirty looks, and someone doesn't go fast enough in the line in front of you, or you're angry at your waitress or waiter because they didn't bring you the right thing, and you leave, and then you say, oh, listen, just so you know, Jesus loves you. That is called not using wisdom. I would prefer you not tell them Jesus loves them when you are representing Jesus in the wrong way. We've got to be really careful. And as I think through this, and, and I've done my best, am, are we perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. But I made a decision that my emotions that I'm feeling are not more important than the image of Jesus I'm doing my best to reflect. My emotions are not superior to the image of Jesus that I'm supposed to be reflecting with my life. And most people, a lot of people in the church, elevate their emotions over the image they're trying to reflect. I never want, and I know you don't either, we never want our actions or words to turn someone away from the Jesus that I'm trying to point them to. Never want to do it. I'm going to quote someone to you today, and you might think, I can't believe Jason quoted that person, but I'm going to quote Gandhi to you. Gandhi said this, I do not reject your Christ. I love your Christ. It's just that so many of you Christians are so unlike your Christ. We should just go home right there. This is so important. And I believe God wants to bring the church back to what it means to represent Jesus. Kindness, love, caring, believing the best, 
I want us as a church to demonstrate, to use wisdom every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and how we interact with people who don't know Jesus. We can't criticize someone for not accepting the Jesus that we're misrepresenting. I'm going to say that again. We, we need to stop criticizing those who are not accepting the Jesus that we are misrepresenting. The Lord wants us to be a part of bringing people into his family. Another way that we can bring people into the family, God is number five. We can demonstrate, which I'm talking about now, but demonstrate who Jesus is through your life. Everything you say and do around unbelievers is telling them who Jesus is and Jesus isn't. Everything. And every day we have the opportunities to show people that we're actually different than the rest of the world. Every day. Yeah, we turn the other cheek. Yes, we go the second mile. Yes, we pray for enemies. And here's the reality. It's not that we strive to act different. It's that we start realizing that we actually are different. And there's a difference. One is an outward facade. I just got to act, 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 act. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with crucifying your flesh. There's nothing wrong with that. But what, where we need to get to the place is that we recognize I am different. And my attitude and my life and how I interact with people flows from who I am and who I'm striving to become as Jesus being our standard. We must remember that people are never, I, I've never known anyone that's been argued into the kingdom of God. I've never known anyone. Man, I just got in this huge fight. I was an atheist. And man, this Christian ripped me up one side and down the other. And at the end, I thought, I'm, you know what? I'm going to give my life to Jesus. <laughs> I've never heard that testimony. But there are multitudes that come to Jesus Christ because we've pointed them to Christ by the difference in our lives, by the difference in who we are. And yet the Bible says, yeah, we need to have an answer to everyone who asks about us, about what's going on, what's different about our lives. That isn't that we can tell them of the theological understanding of propitiation and expiation and eschatology. It doesn't mean, it means that when they come to you and say, what is different about your life? What is it that, I, there's something about you I want to be around you. When I'm around you, you speak life. And I just want more, what's differing? You say, in just simple one word, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's changed me. Number six, and how we bring people into the family of God is this. Let your words draw them in, not push them away. Let your words draw them in, not push them away. And this is what Paul is writing the church. And this is what he's writing us today. Colossians 4, 6 says this. Let your speech always be with grace. Say grace. And seasoned with salt. In other words, they should taste good. Seasoned with salt. Salt, salt adds a seasoning. It adds a bit of a spice. And our conversation should be full of interesting and tasteful things to say about the Christian life. About our lives. We should, we should season our conversation with graceful words. Which are kind. Let, let me tell you what graceful words. Kind positive, encouraging, 
I was going to say Caleb, but I don't know if that's a... Anyway, I never thought of that first service. I thought, I'd just give a plug for Caleb. Anyway, our word, grace words are kind, they're positive, they're encouraging, and, and our words are about seeing the best in other people. You speak life, you, you, you elevate them. I mean, I, I'm telling you this, have you ever been around a negative person? When you go, hey, how you doing? And they tell you that everything that's wrong in their life and yours, you're like, great. And do you want to hang out with them some more? No. I, I, there, there, is a, there is, I believe, there is one of the things the enemy has really done in the church is, is we've, we've given everybody his, his become entitled to a critical spirit. We just criticize everything. We just, we go around telling everybody everything that we don't like. There can be 93 things we like, seven of them we don't like, and what are we going to talk about? I believe it's, it's the enemy that sabotaged the church from actually speaking life over its own family, over its own leadership, over their own family, over the church family. That our words, our speech needs to be seasoned with grace and salt. In other words, people, after they have a conversation with you, should want to have another conversation with you. Salt also creates thirst. In other words, they want to talk more with you. And in the same, our conversation should be full of such wonderful things about the Lord that it creates a desire, creates a thirst in the hearts of those who are not yet a part of God's family. I, I've had the, the privilege of being in ministry for, it'll be 20 years this year, or in 2019. And most people that I run into who are hurt with church has nothing to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with a cranky Christian. I think we're better than that. I, th I think Jesus is calling the church as a whole to be better than that. And if you're here this morning... And you have been turned away from God because of a, a rude Christian. Or someone's condemning you. Someone who's been cranky towards you. Someone who has spoken negative over your life. That's hurt you. On behalf of this church. On behalf of all of us. Please forgive us for doing that. We have failed at representing Jesus to you. I want you to know that the Jesus that we are all striving to serve is kind, he's loving, he's gentle. He opens his arms to you today. He doesn't judge you. This church is striving to present Jesus accurately to the world. And we love you and we are honored and would be honored to pursue God with you because we are all on a journey to becoming more like Christ. Some of us are in different places, but we're all on that same journey. I want to close with uh, this story. And Jesus was telling this story about, it was a parable about bringing people into God's family. But he connected it with a, with a meal. And it comes out of Luke 14, about a rich man who threw a great party and invited 
a bunch of guests. And when the table was set and when the amazing meal was laid out, when it was ready to come, the servants went to tell everybody, hey, the feast is ready, come and get it. They're ringing the dinner bell. Come on, baby, get you some. But all the invited guests, they made excuses. I'm, you know, I can't go because I'm busy over here and I can't go because, um, I, you know, something happened to my family. I need to go over here and I can't go because I just bought this piece of property and I need to go check on it. And, and, and the master was disappointed. Scripture says he was furious. Those he invited to the party refused him. And th- those, are those, those people represent those who rejected the good news and said, no, no, I, I'm good. They rejected to be a part of his family. They rejected to sit at his table. But yes, the father was disappointed. The master disappointed. But when he heard them make their excuses, you know, he didn't cancel the party. He didn't cancel the party at all. He, he just widened his invitation list. And he told the servants, so listen, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to the highways and the byways. You're going to go to the lost. You're going to go to those who live out in the country. You're going to go to those who are down at the bar. You're going to go to those who are over. And you're going to get as many people as you can possibly get. And you're going to bring them to my table. And we're going to feed them. And we're going to take care of them. And this is a story. This is a picture of God inviting the whole world to come and be a part of his family, that he wants to collect them from every four corners of the earth. And guess what? Those, he, and he has an invitation list, and those that you know in your family that do not know him are on that list. And God has called us as servants to represent him, that when we invite people to his table, the people want to come to the table because we represent the master of the table well. And this is the invitation. That we bring people into God's family through how we speak, how we represent Him. How generous we are with our time. We invest in what is called God's family that's going to outlive us all on this earth. But we're a part of these servants. That we're a part of the house. We're part of God's family. We've been working hard. We've been setting the table. And even for our Christmas Eve service, we've been working hard. A creative team, a worship team, they've been working hard setting the table so that when people come, they feel loved, they feel welcome, so that, that the master's message can be heard by those who come to the party. But it's just not about Christmas Eve. This is about our life. This is about inviting people to the, to the family of God. And this is God's desire for all of us today. And I know you may be struggling. You may have people in your life that you think, you know what? I need them to know Jesus Christ. This is God's commission and purpose for you today. That you can begin to practically lead people. Pray for people. Dismantling the strategies of the enemy in people's lives. You are called of God to begin to do spiritual warfare on behalf of your loved ones in your life. And I want you to be released to that today. I want you to leave here to know, not with a sense of hopelessness about lost ones in your life, but a sense of hope-filled prayers that God is the God of the impossible. He can transform someone's life in a moment. He took a murderous, thunderous, religious punk. He knocked him off of his horse and he spoke to him and he blinded him. And that man became one of the greatest leaders and builders of the church in church history, the Apostle Paul. He can do that with your loved ones. He's just looking for someone 
who will partner with him and recognize, God, you don't want to do this alone. You want me to be a part of it. There's some of you here that your children are involved in cults and you're heartbroken about it. Begin to pray. Begin to call out. Begin to pray against those who are influencing that individual. There's some of you here that your spouses are being influenced by, by something that's leading them away, that's, that's trying to tempt them into the things of the world. Begin to pray strategically. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I come against the demonic power that's trying to seduce my wife. The demonic power is trying to seduce my husband. I bind that in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, that you would set angels around my, my husband or my wife or my children or my cousin or my aunt. Whatever it may be. Begin to do spiritual warfare on behalf of your lost. And let's bring them into the family of God. Amen. If you're a part of God's family, we've got, we've got some work to do. But it's fun work. God's commanded us to pray for those who were lost, to engage the lost and each other with gracious words, salty conversation. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you're outside of God's family. I've got good news for you. God's arms are open wide to you today. He's inviting you today to come into his family, to come sit at his table. And right now Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking will you open it will you open your heart's door Jesus is patiently knocking saying let me come in let me change your life let me give you a purpose and let me take care of you as you sit at my table. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.